and this discussion, we get to hear from Mayhawk, a Pakistani candidate who broke into Bain. She shares her networking strategy, her approach to case prep, and advice for aspiring consultants. Oh, and she'll also share her hidden talent. It's a fun conversation that anyone aspiring to go into consulting won't want to miss. Let's get into it. Hey, folks, welcome to another Strategy Simplified discussion. We are delighted to have with us uh, Mayhawk from uh, Dubai, or actually she's in Pakistan, but she'll be working in Dubai for Bain. And so, Mayhawk, welcome. We're excited to have you today. Yeah, I'm excited to be here today. I just feel that this is possibly the biggest validation for me as far as consulting goes, big, more so than any of my offer letters, because I've always watched, I've heard and a lot of interviews and podcasts on your channel and was very aspirational to one day be here and sharing this platform with you. So super excited. Thank you for having me. Okay, well, thank you for your kind words. Uh, we're excited. So let's just get right into it. Can you just share it? Talk about who you are and just share a brief overview of your background, please. For sure. So I'm Pakistani-Canadian, but I was born, bred, raised in Karachi, Pakistan. I'm the eldest of three siblings. And right after high school, I went to Canada in McGill University to pursue my undergraduate studies as an arts major at McGill and then I moved into a very brief stint as a consultant at PricewaterhouseCoopers Calgary. Post that, I moved to American Express, where I did in-house strategy in Toronto and New York, and then moved back to Pakistan to do volunteer work for a brief period of time, and then joined a conglomerate called Anglo Corporation, which is the country's largest conglomerate. Uh, did in-house strategy there, actually, and then moved on to getting promoted to the office of the president and CEO. And after about five and a half years of work experience, moved on to INSEAD to do my MBA. I just graduated in December and hoping to join Bain on March 21st of this year. Okay. Well, congrats on the Bain offer and you've quite the, the storied career. Um, yeah. And so if, from an arts major, you know, that's, that's not your combination of education and background is not one we often hear about as far as breaking into consulting. Um, can you share a little bit uh, about that journey? How did you, you know, decide um, that consulting was right for you given given your, your background? So great question, Japheth. Uh, actually, there are three reasons why uh, in a very top-down fashion. The first is that I actually had exposure to consulting through my brief stint at Pricewaterhouse. So that was the inroad, not particularly strategy but more implementation. So that's the first thing. The second thing that compelled me to join consulting is that during my time at Engro, I actually represented part of the client team that was working with Bain and McKinsey. And so it seemed like consultants on the floor literally did God's work. And that seemed very exciting. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm just flattering <laughs> my new career choice. And the third thing is that, look, I've always believed in challenging myself. And coming from a Southeast Asian families, there are two types of jobs for art students that were acceptable. Uh, either it's investment banking slash consulting or engineering. And it was progressively a lot easier to transition from arts into consulting versus engineering. So those are, in all honesty, the three reasons why I thought that consulting is the right choice for me. 
And that's actually one of the main reasons why I did my MBA to bring this discussion to a full circle, because coming from a non-traditional, both academic as well as professional services background, I felt that I needed to get that MBA to help make my profile that much more credible for consulting. And that's why I actually selected INSEAD, because it is one of the target schools, which turns out a significant number of consultants going into MBB and other firms. So I think it just made more sense for me to make my profile stand out. And therefore, I did consulting. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for sharing that. And just before we dive into your process of preparing, um, and landing the, the the job at Bain, can you share a little bit about? Do you have, do you have one piece of advice for international students recruiting for consulting? You know, can somebody maybe with a similar background as yours, do you have one piece of advice you tell them? Just something that was helpful for you along your journey. Sure. So. One piece of advice that I would give is that I've often, and this comes actually from the context of hearing a lot of my peers and other people around me who've reached out saying that they can't get in or it's too daunting to apply. And my one word, one line of sorry advice would be that, you know, people who think they can't do it and people who don't do it are both equally right. So in a nutshell, Non-traditional backgrounds actually are very welcomed in consulting firms is what I've discovered through various conversations. And the one thing that people shortchange and underestimate from any background really is this whole process of networking. Uh, it's very intimidating to write to someone on LinkedIn Messenger or email someone and ask for their time. But you know what? I felt that the most valuable inputs that I've gotten as far as my prep is concerned is by literally firing off cold emails and talking to consultants who are in the business in my target office, which was to buy and learning what they're doing on a day-to-day basis, how they prepared and what are some of the pitfalls they see while interviewing candidates. And I would suggest to everybody applying that have those conversations. It's super uncomfortable, but you know what? It's less uncomfortable than any case interview you're going to do. So might as well mm-hmm. practice early on out. And it really, really bared a lot of fruits for me, even though I was coming from a target school. Yes. Boom. Well, 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 I love that. And there's a lot there, but I, I love your response there. You know, those who think they can and those that, that think they can't are both right. <laughs> Absolutely. Can we just dig a little bit deeper into what you just shared about those hard, you know, networking conversations, those cold reach out emails? Um, what, what did you do there? Can you share a little bit more of, yeah your LinkedIn process for finding the right people to reach out to? Did you reach out on LinkedIn or email? And then, you know, go a little bit deeper into the kinds of questions you asked when you did um, get a chance to talk to those folks. Great question. And I'm going to try my level best to sound very much less of a creep and a stalker (laughs) when I give this response, uh, although it might be hard, but Effectively, what to so you have a three part question, right? First is the whole stigma around networking before we get into how I actually approached it. You have to be very clear as a person what you're hoping to get out of a conversation. And you also want to make it worthwhile for the person talking to you because people in the business are exceptionally busy. And so they're likely going to talk to you either on their way to the airport or on, you know, on a weekend, maybe if you're lucky. And so 
it's generally, in my experience, a 15-minute conversation. And so for me, there was literally a three-part process, which was, A, what am I hoping to achieve from it? B, what is the best way to achieve it? So through a LinkedIn message or an email and C, what is my follow-up strategy going to be like? For the first part of the process, I had a list of three questions to answer your question as well, JFF, is firstly, learning about the firm. So just very direct questions on what they do, what the firm is doing right now in terms of sectors, in terms of, you know, getting people on board in terms of training. So just general know-how of the firm and its culture. Secondly, give them a little bit background about where I'm at in terms of my preparation process, what I'm hoping to achieve um, in terms of my career aspirations in the next three to five years, which is generally the horizon that most people want to go into consulting for about three years. And the third thing that I was very big on is just asking for a piece of advice or a question that will help me or anyone distinguish themselves. So generally, a question I ask is, what's one book that you'd recommend that I read? Or what's one news article that you've read that I could read and learn from? Something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in my experience, just asking that unorthodox question, because it really helps you stick out. And because they're having so many conversations a person in general, it's it's a bit difficult to remember, you know, who they spoke to. And really the end goal, if I had to put it very candidly, is for that person to give to give you a referral. At the end of the day, I think that's the big thing without directly asking for it. Or secondly, if you're coming from a target school where referral doesn't really matter, you're getting some sort of advice or input that's going to help help you along the journey. So in reality, in summary, the ROI of that 15 minute conversation for you are, is infinite as a person who's asking the questions and for the person, you know, giving their responses. Um, it's from what they tell me, it's their way of kind of giving back to the firm where they're working. And most people are very proud of where they come from and they do really want to give back to their firm and contribute in the recruitment process. So that's generally what, how I approach the conversation. To your question around LinkedIn versus email, to be very frank with you, I I learned this a bit the hard way. So I would send very generic LinkedIn messages that were super direct and I realized I was getting no responses. And I'm like, this is really frustrating and strange. And I started this networking process about six odd months before the actual application journey. So I did give myself some buffer, um, but then I actually switched my medium, kept the content the same as the message um, and just changed it to email. And how I found those emails was like, I knew what the last like at pain.com or at McKinsey, whatever, I knew that generic form. And I would take the first and the last name on LinkedIn and just reach out. Um, The third layer is who I would reach out to. So generally, I would find people in my first degree connection. So from INSEAD who are alums, because I felt that they were more inclined to help me. And we had a mutual connection circuit, which was our school. Um, Another way to do it, if you're not coming from an MBA program, but applying straight from industry or from an undergrad grad school and you don't want to go down that route, is just finding mutual connections first. So those people are more likely to respond to you and then taking the tree on from there. Um, I've heard from somebody in my program that they found engagement managers and above to reach out to. That's an equally valid strategy. Um, I reached out to a random assortment of people from associates to partners, and I felt that that mix was particularly useful for me because it gave me a very diverse perspective of the various types of jobs that people at different layers of an organization do. We'll be right back after this quick break. 
Hey you, yeah, you listening. Do you like personal finance or real estate? Are you itching to build wealth and create a better life for yourself or your family? Then you need to come check out the Life, Money, and More podcast with real estate agent, YouTuber, and actor, Sage Weiss. This isn't your average finance show. We dive deep and do not sugarcoat topics around money and life. The Life, Money, and More podcast releases two episodes a week just for you because we're all about helping you win in this crazy world we live in. Come join the thousands of listeners on the Life, Money, and More podcast. Absolutely awesome. Well, that is absolute gold there. And I advise anybody listening to this to take heed and to take notes and to yeah follow what Mehawk is sharing because it's absolutely valuable and it's absolutely an essential part of the process. Even if networking is not something you enjoy, it's not something you feel like you're good at, it is part of the process for, for breaking into consulting. And... S- yeah. And so you received offers from a couple of firms. Um, can you share, you know, what those firms were and then just your decision making process of how did you decide that that Bain was right for you? Sure. Well, a little bit more than a couple. Please don't understate that number because every offer letter was printed and framed. I kid you not. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, so actually I picked Bain because of a few fundamental reasons. The first is that I actually worked with Bain as a client at Engro while I was in Karachi. So I was very familiar with their strategy on working with clients, which was co-creation, a lot of collaboration, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of touch base and a lot of respect for the people on an engagement team. I remember being in a board meeting where everyone in the Bain engagement team spoke. So from the associate to the partner, everyone kind of had a chance to speak and present their work. And I found that incredibly empowering as a young person in an organization that can be very daunting to present in a board meeting of people that are all in gray suits and above the age of 60. So that was kind of fascinating. The second thing is that I didn't see had actually, I got the Bain Fellowship, which was a program that they were running for women. And there I got the opportunity to get mentored by a Bain associate partner in Tapai. And I found that experience to be completely completely life-changing because the kind of advice she gave me through my journey, uh, and we actually never did a mock caves, but it was just, you know, almost on a monthly basis, we were touching base. She would ask about my prep. And in a lot of ways, she really curated that application journey for me through her very, very direct and candid advice. And so for me, that was a great opportunity to see that the firm really valued its people and the culture seemed to be very conducive to new and young people. Um, and the third reason, which is the final reason for selecting Bain, was that I've through my time um, at INSEAD, actually, I got exposure to private equity. And I know that Bain specializes in that globally. And they recently developed their practice in the Dubai office. And that work really excited me as well. So it was really a combination of these three things that made me select Bain with all due respect to the other firms. Yes, absolutely. Thanks for, for sharing that. And so you had a bunch of offers on the table, but you decided, hey, I like Bain the best. This is the best fit for me. And then now taking a little step backwards to your your interview and your case prep process for for these firms in general um can you share just did, how, 
Did you structure your prep? How did you structure your prep? Did you have a strategy going in? What was that process like for you? We'll be right back after this quick break. Do you want to break into McKinsey, Bain, or BCG? Then join Black Belt. Black Belt is a structured case prep program that combines expert help with self-paced prep curriculum. You get eight one-hour, one-on-one case coaching sessions with a former MBB coach. You also get access to unlimited digital prep materials, and homework will assign you in between sessions to accelerate your progress. Oh, and by the way, 60% of Black Belts who complete the program land an offer at a top 10 firm. So, if you're serious about landing an MBB offer and changing your whole career trajectory, join Black Belt today. Click the link in the show notes to learn more. Yes, so great question. The short answer to your first question is, did I have a strategy? No. Do I like Mm -hmm. to believe that I had a strategy? Yes. (laughs) Uh, Did I tell everyone that I had a plan? Yes. So the reality is that we all think that we're going to dive into the world of case prep with knowing how to go about it. Um, I took lots of advice from people that were in my program um, who had gotten a summer internship. I hadn't applied as a summer intern to any of the firms. So my chance really of applying was in the fall in on on campus recruitment. And so, you know, I thought that I had absorbed the lessons of everyone who had been through summer recruitment in my MBA program. And the reality is I followed none of it um, as much as I like to believe that I did. And so to to now reflect on what would have been a great strategy to do, I think, because I did follow it eventually when Bush came to shove is literally a three part process. The first is go through, and to anyone who's coming in, my advice would be go through free content available through three sources that particularly helped me. The first one was their YouTube videos on, you know, managementconsulted.com, which are doing a live case. So that'll give you the exposure on what a case actually looks and feels like. And I would highly recommend all the YouTube material on that because that was very helpful for, to me. The second thing is that Victor Cheng has some content on YouTube, which gives you a good feeler of what, how to structure your thoughts. I felt that his approach in terms of framework was a bit more basic, but it really helps you get an intro into how to structure and plan your thoughts. And the third is this great community called Prep Lounge, which I benefited tremendously from because there's a lot of coaches out there who are ex-consultants or current consultants that are posting answers to questions that candidates like myself have on a very regular basis. Furthermore, there's an entire host of people that are looking for case practicing partners. So great platform to really cut your teeth and learn about consulting in general. So that's the first layer. That's kind of you doing it, someone doing their recce. I would suggest that in terms of actually reading stuff like frameworks, and and some books that are available. I mean, those resources vary from person to person. Um, It shouldn't take someone longer than one to two weeks to actually absorb all of that Um, because prep comes when you're actually practicing. At least that's what I learned through my experience. And so the second part of really my preparation journey was doing case prep with people. Now there are two facets to this. One is starting case prep with somebody who's at your level or slightly above you. And you can do cases one to maybe 10 or one to seven with them to kind of see where you're at. And I would suggest after that, do it with 
consultants who are A, in the business or people that are doing strategy work, because that's when you'll notice after that, that your preparation and your confidence levels will really take a massive jump. And so that feedback is really invaluable. So I would suggest that once you've done some cases with somebody or with various people who are at your level, take it to the next notch, do it with people in the business. And a part, a big part of case prep that really helped me is making some sort of a document. I used Excel of tracking the feedback and the type of case that you're doing and keeping it super simple. And I think that you can't improve something that you can't measure, right? Mm -hmm. So keeping track of all the feedback uh, through an Excel document and revisiting that time and time again to see how your own journey is progressing is exceptionally important. And the third thing I would suggest um, during this entire journey is if you feel, and this is generally because I really experienced a lot of insecurity and, you know, doubts about my performance, I felt that feedback was getting a bit inconsistent because everyone has a different style of approaching a case, is getting some sort of a coach, if you can afford it, uh, generally coaches aren't significantly expensive and spending a couple hours with someone who's actually doing this or has done this day in and day out. Um, I know in my personal experience, I reached out to somebody on prep launch called Francesco Rieppi, and he was extremely helpful in just kind of helping me revisit some of my ideologies on high approach cases. So this is not a compulsory by any standard of the imagination, but I know that it helped me really fine tune my casing skills, which became invaluable for my final rounds, not so much for my first rounds, because that's where that's the distinguishing factor, right? Because at that point, it's either it's fairly binary. So these are literally the three things that I would suggest to anybody doing case prep. Just a caveat over here, though, that there is no such thing as X number of cases ensures <laughs> success. There's there's absolutely no rule. For me personally, the sweet spot of great performance came after the 30th case. But I know a lot of people around me that did equally well, having done 10 cases. And then there were some people who did north of 40 cases and did really well. Uh, so there's no real magic number. Whenever you feel ready is, is when you feel ready. That's, you know, famous last words on this topic. <laughs> Mayhawk, thank you. This is absolute gold. And once again, I hope that people listening are taking notes because you just shared a lot of, of wisdom, a lot of really good advice for uh, approaching the, the consulting interview prep process, which is a daunting, a daunting beast to tackle. And so we'll, we'll include some links to some of the resources that you mentioned um, below, but thanks again for sharing. Um, and now can you put yourself in, in the mind of somebody who's just about to start their case prep and can you can you share just one one piece of advice that you that you wish somebody would have given you when you were at that stage? Don't get married to this notion of air quotes called frameworks. There is no such thing. I feel that is something that I struggled with immensely. It's there are ways of organizing thoughts but don't get attached and linked and married to predetermined frameworks because the reality is every interviewer out there knows what's 
in case in point, knows what's in Victor Cheng and all the other resources online because they've met hundreds and thousands of people over the years. So learn to be a little bit more flexible. And that's kind of what happened to me is after a certain point, I started really attaching myself to certain things that I'd read online. Um, but the reality is that just shows rigidity and lack of creativity and don't get stuck in that web of following the same approach like everyone else. Um, I know that's a bit abstract, but I felt that, you know, in my prep, one of the biggest mistakes I made was memorizing frameworks on the get-go and then trying to apply it and retrofit every case into a framework or vice versa. And I was getting the feedback that I sound very robotic and it just was not working out for me. So the minute I let myself free and divorced myself from this notion, uh, I saw a massive improvement in my performance. That's brilliant. And that's, that's one thing we see, you know, time and time again of, of candidates just trying to memorize frameworks and then they just sound like a robot. So curious, what are you most looking forward to uh, at Bain? I know you're starting there very soon. And so I know there must be some nerves and some things you're feeling about that, but just curious what you're looking forward to. So I'm really looking forward to working with the people there uh, simply because I met quite a few through my fellowship journey and they seem like such incredibly accomplished individuals. So looking forward to learning from them really because that's the only thing I think that justifies the hours that we put in, right? Is that our learning curve is ever so steep and never plateaus. And that's what excites me. Well, we're excited for you. And now I'd love to, to transition to this last part of, of the interview where we asked you a couple of personal questions. And so can you just put yourself in uh, younger Mayhawk's shoes? Let's say you're about 18 years old. Um, what's one piece of advice you'd give um, to her, you know, looking back? Um, don't be afraid to go off the beaten path. I think I've made certain life choices at that age that very much fell into the mold of what was societally appropriate and what seemed quote unquote like the right thing to do. And looking back back about 10 years of my life, I think I could have taken bigger and bolder risks. Mm. Um, I think that's something that I would tell myself to do. So going off of that, what's one risk you would have taken if you would have known that earlier? Um, Possibly pursued fine arts uh, instead of doing an economics degree in an arts program and not forced myself to do finance later on in life. I think I really enjoyed art and that's something that I had to abandon at a younger age, which was completely self-inflicted. And I've, because I thought that, you know, an artist equals to, is always going to starve. But I feel like that's something that would have been nice to pursue something different uh, and learn from that. So I would say that that's something that it's definite regret for me is not regret is a bit of a strong word, but that's something that I would have liked to do as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for sharing that. And then last question is, I know you must have a hidden talent. <laughs> Everybody does. Um, but <laughs> would love love uh, love to know about yours. Uh, so I really think that I'm a great bathroom singer. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's my opinion. That's a hidden talent. But I feel like one day my talent would be revealed to to Definitely. the world. I hope. 
you know, but that's something that I think that I have somewhere deep, deep down inside me. Absolutely. They just, they just don't know. They don't, don't know. They just don't know. The world, the, the world just does, is not ready for it. They're not that's ready. The thing. <laughs> okay. Well, you'll have to, to send us your, uh, your album when it comes out. <laughs> your Please, bath, bathroom you'll, singing you'll, collection. You'll see me at the Grammys at some point and then right. we'll see. All right. Then I can say, I, I know her. <laughs> Very exciting. This has been okay. such a fun conversation, Japheth. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having it. Um, and thanks again for, for coming on and sharing your story. And or it's yeah. my pleasure. Anything I can do to give back to you and your team and to the wider community, more than happy to do that. You guys have been an incredible source of inspiration and help. Um, you and your team uh, at various junctures of this journey. And I wish you guys and the company all the very best because it's truly been life-changing for me. So thank you so much for that. Thanks for listening to another episode of Strategy Simplified. If you enjoyed this discussion with Mayhawk, we'd love if you'd share the podcast with your friends, family, or coworkers to help get the word out. Thanks again for being a loyal listener of the podcast. We'll see you next week.